Hey everyone, welcome to uh, episode 20. We are on number 20. I think it's like some sort of milestone, right? Can we call 20 a milestone uh, of the Periscope Edge podcast? We've been cruising uh, for the last couple of weeks and we're really excited about having kind of a cadence of cadence of conversation. Um, maybe that's a pat on our back and all the people who have been able to dive in and, and cover topics here for the Edge podcast. But there's been no shortage of conversation, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite things is that we've kind of gotten away from strictly tech recently, and I think that's great. Um, I know for me, one of my focuses is technology, and that's kind of one of the hobbies that I like to take on. Um, and same with a lot of the Edge contributor group. But what's amazing, and, and what, what happens with that is that we often default to tech-related subjects. But what What's amazing is we're looking at different subjects um, for, for a variety of reasons, and that diversity is, is really key. Um, so last week, uh, Kate was here, and she talked about E3, and Kate is back actually with us today um, with another one of our intern friends, Derek. And, and Kate, you did an awesome job introducing yourself <laughs> last week, but Derek, you're brand new to the podcast. Don't worry. The microphone in front of you is not that intimidating. <laughs> you don't have to get that close to it. No, I'm kidding. He's not that close to it. You do have to get close to the microphone. Uh, but Derek, you're working in media, right? That's the deal. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you ended up here at Periscope. Yeah. So originally, I'm from the northern Chicago suburbs, uh, Zion right up there on the border. Uh, and I just graduated from university in Des Moines at Drake. Uh, so, you know, we got a couple of Drake alums here at Periscope and always good to, you know, see them and uh, get to, you know, meet all these other interns like Kate. You know, <laughs> I was inspired by her podcast last week, so I decided I'll join in this week and we're going to talk about some great topics. Today. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And selfishly, I get to learn more about you guys when we do these <laughs> podcasts. And I didn't even know you went to Drake. I know you had mentioned that before, but it's awesome. I get to learn about that. But today you guys are bringing an awesome topic that you have done a ton of research into. We're going to talk about LGBT consumers and how advertisers and brands have been able to connect um, with that specific segment. And I think it's interesting, and you were mentioning this, it's incredibly relative. It's Pride Month here. Um, and, and we've seen a lot of examples of this, I think, you know, not only in the last month, but in the last few years. Um, and, I, and I'm really excited for this conversation. I think with all the Edge podcasts, the one thing we always say is that we're having a conversation here with us three. Now, you two have done a ton of incredible research. You both have your own experiences within this community on, on each sides of the equation. Um, but we always like to say, you know, this is our conversation. We're not 100% right on anything, right? We're taking... <laughs> We're taking a leap into new and different things, and we just want all of our listeners to understand where we're coming from. We each kind of have our own our own background, and we do our best to bring that to the table. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in. So the first note here, there's an incredible history. And when I first read through this, I quickly realized that us in the United States are not necessarily <laughs> on the forefront of bringing this to life, even though it's been a topic of conversation. There's another country, another kind of nationality that's really taken this on. But give me a little kind of history of the LGBT kind of inclusive style of advertising. Yeah. Um, so the first ad I kind of wanted to highlight, and he was talking about a nationality that's definitely winning with the LGBT community, and that would be the Swedes. Um, so the first ad I wanted to talk about is Ikea's 1994 commercial entitled Dining Room. So I think if we talk about Swedes, we have to talk about yeah. Ikea, right? Like that's kind <laughs> yeah, of how it all works. Yeah, go, so naturally. No, no, naturally. Um, yeah, so this ad was the first national television advertisement to feature a gay couple. And it was aired basically 20 years before other companies started creating LGBT-inclusive advertisements or messages. Um, the ad was specifically aired after 10 p.m. and aimed at an adult-only audience. 
Um, so that kind of sounds strange to us. But in the television world, uh, there's sort of this blocked area where you assume that families are watching television together. So that's anywhere from 3 p.m. to about 8 or 9. And so IKEA was definitely smart in this ad placement, you know. Um, still, even though they were really careful with, you know, who was looking at the ad, uh, they were still met with a lot of backlash that eventually escalated into a bomb threat in an IKEA location in New York. Um, even so, IKEA has always been pleased with the ad. They never even made really a big deal about it. Uh, in their eyes, it was a commercial that accurately represented a segment of their target audience. Uh, the commercial was actually even based off an observation between a gay couple at an IKEA in New York. So it's sort of like a real-life commercial that they scripted. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I think it's interesting, you know, that this took place in the 90s, and that's really when, mm -hmm. you know, we started to see those, uh, you know, supporting gay characters on TV shows. Mm -hmm. uh, like, one that comes to mind is, like, Sex and the City, really, yeah. <laughs> really big show in the 90s, and had the influencers of, like, gay characters that had, you know, reoccurring supporting roles. And then fast-forward kind of paving the way for shows like Modern Family Today, where they have... Yeah. Like, some of their main characters are gay families, and that's really something, you know, kind of shows the progress of, you know, gay, um, gay couples, gay people in American television. You know, side note, I don't watch a ton of TV, and I think uh, Modern Family, I have to say, is, like, the best, like, 20 minutes that you can watch. Yeah. I forget if it's on Netflix or Hulu. <laughs> you can just turn it's, – it's awesome. So, But the Ikea thing, that's a great example. That wasn't even the first, right? There's stuff that was even earlier than that. Yeah, maybe a little bit earlier, but this is definitely one that got, I think, a lot of national attention. And it was definitely, I think, the first for television. Now – Absolute, which is the other Swedish brand we're kind of focusing on, um, did something really interesting. So they didn't actually have an LGBT-inclusive advertisement. They focused more on ad placement. And so uh, their 1981 print campaign, Absolute Perfection, was placed in The Advocate, which was an LGBT magazine of the time. Uh, you know, this was huge in the 80s to have a national brand place, you know, any form of advertisement in LGBT media. Uh, since then, Absolute has cultivated a really long and kind of loving relationship with the LGBT community, and they also earned a lot of, you know, media attention when they did this, so it sort of doubled their advertisement impressions. I mean, it was really a smart move because they were sort of trailblazers in this kind of ad Yeah, it sounded like they got some traction just by being the first to first to the market, really kind of targeting yeah. in a really unique way, um, yeah, at least unique definitely. for the time, right? Yeah, absolutely, and it was sort of funny because when asked about the justification for the ad placement, they just said, you know, they found a great insight about this group of influential trendsetters and they wanted to use this trendy demographic to reach a wider audience and they really achieved that. That's awesome. Well, and to bring that to more of a local level too, uh, you know, we just had Twin Cities Pride this past weekend and a lot of the events that take place around the city absolute sponsors though. So, you know, that's a great way to get their name out there in local communities in these big cities. So it just kind of shows that this happened in the 80s, yeah? yeah. And it's there's still kind of a really big ally, and it shows, like, yeah. you know, how authentic they can be for doing that for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And the last one I kind of wanted to touch on is more recent. So before the Supreme Court ruled that states must allow same-sex marriage in June of 2015, Tiffany and Co. released its Will You print campaign, which featured a photograph of a real-life gay couple sitting on a New York stoop with an advertisement for engagement rings featured next to them. 
this was huge considering how influential Tiffany & Co. is in the marriage industry. It was a really big deal. And it was also covered super heavily on all major media channels. And I think it was a really great first step for the jewelry giant. Awesome. And, and that's just a quick one example, right? Yeah. I can imagine, yeah. and just from a little experience, like the amount of brands who jumped in, you know, in the last five, ten years, obviously, Absolutely. is immense. Right? Yeah. Awesome. So when we look to really kind of connecting with that audience, right, we look at, you know, a couple of great examples. We look at the history, um, you know, kind of the next thing we want to talk about a little bit is like, in the future and in, in kind of current work that, you know, we as advertisers are doing, how, how have you seen, you know, people actually authentically connecting with this specific group? Yeah, well, and you know, it's great that, you know, we're talking about Swedish companies because <laughs> so, don't want to gloat, but I'm Swedish and I'm pretty proud. But, you know, that's, I couldn't tell. You look very Swedish. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's a, the IKEA and Absolute are great examples of European companies um, really embracing the LGBT community and, and those consumers. But kind of bringing it to more of a local level, you know, a lot of our listeners are, you know, living here in Minneapolis or throughout the Midwest and a really great um, company, corporation that's doing a lot and authentically supporting the LGBT community is Target, actually, you know, based here in Minneapolis. uh, Over the last, like, five or so years, they've really picked up their support for the LGBT community. Um, As I said, uh, they're really big sponsor of Twin Cities Pride that just happened. Uh, they had a really like their a tar. I don't. I guess the Target section at the festival in Loring Park, and just like a place where you could you know just enjoy the festival. And uh, they have for the last few years uh, used utilized the hashtag Take Pride for during Pride Month, and so that was a big part of you know that area. Um, you could take pictures and get them sent to you to like your phone or your email and you could use that to uh, you know post on social media and kind of get Target's name out there as well as get that hashtag out there. Um, so it's really been um, you know a two-sided effort really. Target's really embraced um, those LGBT consumers, but LGBT consumers have also really embraced Target. So that's it's really been a win-win, you know, they've really been supports for each other. The Target example obviously is very localized, right? And we're obviously here in Minneapolis talking a little bit about this, and and it's really relevant, right? Because the Pride Festival just wrapped up yesterday, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and obviously Target was you mentioned a huge part of that. What I thought was super interesting, and and you talked a lot about that, you know, the Take Pride hashtag campaign that was awesome. They had a setup I know in Loring Park, which was kind of more of an experiential thing. Yeah, um, they had a part in the parade, right? They had the big shopping cart, mm-hmm. and then I also noticed I wasn't able to make it this year, which was really sad. But the the pictures that I saw. They even had found ways to to take on the digital billboards that were on the parade route. I don't know yeah. if you I don't know if you saw that at all yesterday, um, but the Take Pride campaign message like came to life throughout the parade in more ways than just on the street. Yeah, and that's really been it's a hashtag they've used since about 2015, and they've even obviously, as you said, experiential advertising at the festival and at the parade. Um, but also utilizing social media to get that hashtag out there, like Instagram ads uh, when you're scrolling through your story and on Snapchat as well. Um, so, you know, really, they really know their audience that's going to this uh, the festival and the parade, and they're really doing a good job of targeting those consumers to get the hashtag out there. Totally. And I think all of these things that we put together, we talked about, you know, and, and obviously we're just using Target as a singular example. Mm-hmm. There's other brands who are doing similar things in different cities and states and, and, yeah. and also too here in Minneapolis. 
Um, but all those things obviously aren't cheap, right? Like the, you know, Target is putting up along with other brands, a lot of money to be in these places and to support this community. Um, why are they doing this? Like, why is this specific segment? Obviously this is a great thing to be a part of, but you look at the funds and resources these companies are putting towards, like, why is this consumer so important? Why is this consumer so unique? Well, I think we really delve into research um, on a more specific level about, you know, who are LGBT consumers? Like, where are they where are they buying their products? Uh, what kind of companies do they choose to support? And um, just what kind of buying power does this community have? Because, you know, obviously it's a minority community, minority consumers in the United States. But from what we found through our research is that they actually have like an insane amount of buying power. And, you know, that's really something that I think appeals to these companies and it makes them, you know, really think twice about considering this community when they are, uh, you know, pushing advertising out to their target audience. So, you know, we did some research and uh, Nielsen actually had a lot of information about LGBT consumers uh, and they classify LGBT households, uh, you know, just as a household that has at least one member that identifies as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. And so they found that, Nielsen found that uh, the LGBT consumer, the average LGBT consumer, has four times the buying power of Hispanic and African Americans in the United States and about two times as much buying power as, uh, more buying power as Asian Americans and uh, four times again as much buying power as millennials. So clearly this is, you know, a segment of the... Uh, a segment of consumers that has a really large amount of buying power. Um, And, you know, between the years of 2006 and 2012, uh, they saw a 20% increase in um, the buying power of the LGBT community. And by 2020, that's uh, estimated to be at about um, $1 trillion. So that's obviously something that companies are going to, like Target, are really noticing. And that's Mm -hmm. what they see what's coming in the future. And they want to kind of jump on that bandwagon and get that support from that community right now. That's awesome. So no small numbers here from Nielsen is kind of the (laughs) the story here. Um, When you look at consumption habits, buying habits, this specific kind of market, this specific target, how do they differ or how are they the same as kind of the common consumer? Yeah, well, Nielsen also pointed out some, you know, interesting um, facts about gay consumers and like different products that they buy where they're most likely to shop. So um, Nielsen found that, uh, you know, consumers being, were about 72% more likely to shop at bookstores and 55% more likely to shop at liquor stores. So I... So when you're bringing these things up, it's interesting, right? Because you're looking at being able to pull Nielsen data of where specifically the, you know, this specific community, you know, tends to, or Mm -hmm. we like to say, you know, pops on the Nielsen scale. But when we look at LGBT consumers, they're looking at more, you talk about bookstores and more like at liquor stores. But it's interesting because... This gives us as advertisers an opportunity to really reach these people on platforms that are relevant, not necessarily relevant, but are frequented, right, by them. Um, And this is just kind of an example. And we go down this path, I would imagine, you know, with all of the types of consumers. But it's interesting to see where, you know, Nielsen, our research firm, is able to show where this um, specific community kind of shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the fact that Nielsen is, you know, focusing on this community really should show advertisers that it's a segment of the population that should be taken seriously uh, and should be considered when uh, as a legitimate a part of your target audience for your um, whatever client you may be working with. So that's definitely something I think Periscope, uh, you know, just throughout 
a lot of our um, you know clients here, whether they do local or national, you know they have a, a wide like LGBT consumers are everywhere. So you know it's important to kind of keep that in the back of your mind as a potential target for whatever campaign you're working on. Right, and specifically these you know this community pays attention. Right, like that. It's, not, it's no small, you know, small stat here that you have down a little bit more about oh, how yeah. they're paying attention to news and yeah. how the, how that affects kind of their habits. Yeah, well, we found that you know they re- they really do pay attention to news. They're fifty five percent of, um, you know, these LGBT consumers believe that um, they wouldn't do business with companies, um, that they will do business with companies, sorry, that, um, you know, really align themselves with diversity and equality. And so, you know, going back to Target, that's a great example of a company that's really embraced diversity both internally and externally with their cons- with with their customers. Uh, and then 78%, 78% of consumers said that they would switch brands if they did not value diversity and equality. Which I think is is interesting because you're seeing that as a testament to why so many brands find it so important to show support for this community, right? You look at the parade, you know, we keep using TC Pride um, as an example of this, but you look at the diversity of companies that are in the parade or supporting the movements or supporting communities or supporting specific, you know, action items that this group is pushing forward. And it seems to be a testament to showing support for this is so important to them. Yeah, and I think it goes beyond the LGBT community even. I think it just encompasses all, whether it be race, sexuality, or you know any of those things that we really value as diversity in the United States. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, it's interesting what you can find out about these diverse groups. No, that's awesome. Um, so bringing it back home a little bit here, right? We yeah. talked about a lot of really great history. We had some really mm-hmm. great stats. We showed how important it is to kind of show the support for the diversity here, specifically in the U.S., and how important that is to such a large group of consumers, no matter where kind of we're seeing these segments lie. Um, as advertisers, right, we're going to go and sit back down at our desks after reading this or listening mm-hmm. to in the car or whatever that might be. Yep. What are some things that we can take away from this specific case study and how can we continue to shape the work that we're doing day in and day out to reflect some of the stuff that you both have found in your research? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, we have to focus a little bit on the numbers. I mean, a $1 trillion expected buying power is huge. So this is definitely a consumer group that's growing really rapidly. Um, So LGBT inclusive advertising is still really new and there's a lot of opportunity to expand in this space, but companies that invested early in this group have certainly seen a strong payoff. So kind of one takeaway is as a company, you should always be trying to identify the next group of influencers and trendsetters and keeping yourself one step ahead of the crowd. Um, So we kind of saw that with Absolute, how they were able to create this huge relationship with the LGBT community by being one of the first brands to kind of come on as an advocate for them. Well, I think that applies too. Sorry to interrupt you, Kate. Derek, you talked about, you know, just diversity in general, right? So if we Mm -hmm. even look to expand that to say, what are the things that are important to us as a community? And that community can mean anything, right? That's such a broad word. But, you know, keeping tabs on the things that we want to align as brands ourselves with to make sure we're supporting and and kind of helping the movements that, that really spur this inspiration and diversity that come along 
with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes really well into our second takeaway. Um, You know, we see this trend of social cause marketing growing. And I think now is the perfect time for companies to start assessing what their brand values are, identify those shared with their consumers, and see what they can do as a company to kind of authentically engage with those shared values. In our case, we saw companies doing this through LGBT-inclusive advertising campaigns, sponsoring pride events, and sourcing LGBT products to kind of stock their shelves. So that was something Target did. You know, they had a huge pride section in stores, and that created a really well-integrated campaign into Pride Month and especially into the Pride events that we saw yesterday. Um, So yeah, and then kind of the third takeaway is sometimes taking a risk and reaching out to a new audience that engages with your brand is really going to pay off in the long run. I mean, um, it's easy to get really comfortable with your consumer and forget that audiences are constantly changing. So if you see a spike in a certain demographic that's maybe new, Um, I think sometimes it's worth taking a risk and delving deeper into that group and maybe you can kind of expand your reach with those consumers. And I think a lot of the trendsetters that we talked about in the history of LGBT inclusive advertising, you know, took a risk. They, They saw that this was a consumer that was shopping with them. It's not necessarily popular to advertise for them, but it made sense. It made business sense for them. So that's kind of why I focused on that takeaway. And then the fourth takeaway is that the LGBT consumer wields an insane amount of purchasing power as well as a good sum of disposable income, but they also pay attention to the brands that they buy and what those brands stand for. Um, So if your brand works as an advocate, not just as an advertiser on behalf of the LGBT community, know that they're probably going to support your brand in return. We see a lot of that data coming from Nielsen and all the research that we did, but Also on that note, do not try to engage with this group just for their purchasing power. Um, They really want authentic brands that engage with them on a social and a political level. And I think we kind of see that evidence in the fact that they are, you know, a really um, news-heavy consumer and that, you know, they're following the media. They're saying, who are these brands that are getting media attention for their LGBT-inclusive advertising? Well, you look at, you know... Hey, Kate, thank you. That was great. Those are great yeah. takeaways. Um, I think you look at the backlash of not necessarily mm-hmm. or, you know, not authentically resonated as like the Pepsi drawback, right? So mm-hmm. more Pepsi oh my ads, gosh, yeah. which is like a whole, which is a whole other <laughs> oh podcast goodness, in general, yeah. right? Right. It's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Um, but I think like that's a great example of like, you know, how do brands authentically connect? And there's really no way that we're going to be able to give you the answer to that. And I think, yeah. um, you know, that's a really, really tough challenge in trying yeah. to find ways to support communities and diversity across the board, but without necessarily just doing it because you want more money. Right? Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kate and Derek, that was awesome. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we kind of wrap up here? I feel about it. Yeah, me too. It was fun. <laughs> See, fun it's not as hard as you might think. Yeah, no, it's all good. Hey, so as I mentioned earlier, thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 20 of the Periscope Edge podcast. I think uh, the big thing here is that we have um, two people in front of us who have some awesome experience within within this community and within kind of this topic and also have done some really, really awesome research. And um, we thank them both for bringing that to the table mm-hmm. here. But with that said, this is just a conversation of the things that we've experienced and that we've found. So, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And uh, we're always open to feedback back on um, kind of opinions and different fact checking as well so um, with that said uh, we hope to see you guys back um, on the podcast network here that we run through apple itunes and through soundcloud where we distribute um, all the periscope edge podcasts here next week with that have a good one we'll talk to you soon